Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Thrive in the New World, the business podcast series brought to you by Ulster Bank. I'm your host, Sarah Travers. And as 2020 draws to a close, and at a time when many business owners are planning for the year ahead or trying to plan for the year ahead, we've decided to listen back over the series and discuss some of the key themes that emerged from our conversations with some of Northern Ireland's most innovative and resilient business owners. I'm very pleased to say I'm joined today by Mark Crimmins, Managing Director of Corporate, Commercial and Business Banking at Ulster Bank in Northern Ireland, who will share some of his reflections on the series as we discuss the challenges and opportunities facing the business community in Northern Ireland today and in the future. And looking ahead, we'll also chat about the economic recovery and how businesses across Northern Ireland will play a vital role in the year ahead. Mark, thanks so much for joining me today. Delighted to be here, Sarah, and thank you to you for all your help and support in putting the series together. My pleasure. Now, before we chat about some of the key themes that surfaced throughout the podcast series, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. What do you think this series says about the entrepreneurship in Northern Ireland and the resilience of the business community here? So I think firstly, sir, in terms of entrepreneurship in Northern Ireland, what this has shown me is that entrepreneurship is alive and well. Um, and always has been. Um, and I'm reminded of that every time I look at our own entrepreneurial hub and the the the, uh, the candidates that go through that. Um, secondly, in terms of the resilience of the business community here, I think it points to a very resilient business community uh, that has dealt with hosts of issues for many decades now. So I think we are, you know, we are, we've been in, in a reasonable position to to absorb the worst that has been thrown at us. Mm, and we featured some great businesses and, you know, just hearing how they've managed to pivot and adapt in these difficult times was was really inspirational With without wanting to sound too cliched. Now, one thing that really struck me was how our featured business owners, they all had a very clear purpose. They knew their purpose. One of those was Sinead Murphy, the CCO of Schnuggle. Now, let's listen back to what Sinead had to say. And really, in her case, her purpose was all about her customers. The core principles have always been the same. Taking existing baby products, talking to customers about what they like about those products, but then also challenging the areas that can be improved and making them better. Um, Also making the products more stylish. People are, are, you know, put so much effort into their new homes that they're, they're sort of building together and baby products should fit that new look that they've created. So we wanted products that were going to be full of innovation, um, safer than than a lot of other products on the market, but also that looked really stylish. So Sinead and the team at Schnuggle aiming to make life safer and easier and more stylish for babies and parents. So Mark, how important is it for a business to have a clear purpose like Sinead and Schnuggle and I suppose a defined proposition? especially in these unique times? I I think, sir, purpose is becoming more and more important in the business world and more and more businesses are grasping that as a concept. Um, When when, when I look at my own thinking, I'm I'm an accountant by qualification and having worked in the banking industry for for years, um, I've had a very numeric approach to business until recently. And I have to confess, I'm now now a convert to to having a purpose and uh, within an organization. Um, I think sometimes you can get lost in the whole myriad of business complexity and in the myriad of numbers and scenarios that you can run within your business. 
but having a clear sense of purpose is a guiding star and it helps you make sense of all those complexities and if you keep bringing your business decisions back to fundamentally what you are and what you're all about as as a business it helps you reach the right and long-term outcomes within your business. Mm, gives you that clarity and focus that you need if you if you stay true to, to what you're all about. Now, as we came to the end of that conversation with Sinead, we, we asked her to share a few nuggets of advice for other business owners wanting to grow their business. And she said, it's important to keep an open mind about getting help from others outside of the business. And that theme of mentoring really shone through in the series um, when it came to adapting and pivoting in these times. It was echoed by Peter McCall, one of our other guests, CEO of Perlay. Let's listen back to what Peter said. We didn't pivot quite early in the whole COVID thing. It was, it was actually about a month in after it. And as I mentioned earlier, it was through our one-to-one sessions with Jill in the Ulster Bank. And it was after sitting and chatting it out and talking about it. And we realized that, yes, there is an opportunity here. And and if you, you identify an opportunity for a pivot that can help, especially during these challenging times, it's worthwhile running it by as many other people as possible before going headlong in. So I, I discussed it with Jill and then we discussed it with the whole team and then I rang all our existing clients and then I called, then we asked our, our 15,000 VIPs and then we then we made the decision to plunge and we went head in and look, we had the product developed within two weeks. Uh, but yes, it's important to do that research too. So Mark, what advice would you give to a business owner seeking support or mentoring right now? But but doesn't know where to turn. So I, I think that the first point I would make, Sarah, is that there is a whole host of business advice out there, um, whether it's through the banks and their various entrepreneurship programs, whether it's through Invest NI, whether it's through some of the other, other government bodies, the professional practices. Um, but probably the one biggest piece of advice would be to connect to your local business ecosystem and and well that's through your chambers of commerce or business networks generally and try to connect with a mentor who's shared very similar experience to you i think that's where that's where you, the entrepreneur and the business owner can stand to benefit most from mentoring so someone who is close to your ecosystem has faced into the same challenges and could genuinely offer you practical hands-on advice because they've they've lived through it they've uh, they've experienced and dealt with the same challenges that you're facing into. Mm, and so useful, especially when you're at the top of the business. And actually, when we chatted to Jamie McManus in, in another episode from, from Minprint, he was talking about taking over the family printing business um, and shared feelings of, of imposter syndrome, which I know affect a lot of people. But he emphasized the value in mentoring to help build confidence in, a, in adopting uh, his new role as managing director. Well, MD it was a title I was probably always scared of, to be honest with you. That wasn't really something I aspired to be. And uh, it, it just happened naturally whenever two of the, the, the other directors retired. And I, I suppose I realized that there really wasn't anybody stepping up to be the, the front man, if you like, on the, in the business. So um, I actually enrolled myself in a, a leader program with Invest and I um, did a uh, a course in there they set you up with a series of mentors and um I, I learned a lot from that and that really gave me the confidence to probably put that title on my business card if you like you know mm. it was i was kind of in the role for a while before that but never really putting my stamp on it and really whenever that 
leader program uh, kicked off. There was my mentor at the time, was a guy called Paul Rothwell, who's uh, owner of Slide Robes in Belfast there, and he he, he really helped me realise that I needed to be that, that that front face of the company. Jamie McManus there, and Mark, the imposter syndrome. This is something that many people feel when they step into a new role or up into a new role. How can we realise the value that we bring to whatever we do? Yeah, I, I mean, I was interested, sorry, just to hear Jamie's comment on that. I mean, it's not it's not unusual, I don't think. Um, my my first reaction to that is that um, I think culturally um, in Northern Ireland, sometimes we're a little bit down on ourselves as a people and we like a little bit of confidence. So the, the one thing I would reassure people to start with, um, my, my role means that I deal a lot with other people and teams from across the UK and Ireland. And I can assure everyone that the talent pool in Northern Ireland is as strong as you will find anywhere else. Um, Jimmy's, Jimmy's specific comments here. Um, I, I would say to Jimmy and others like Jimmy, you're in that role for a reason. Either you've naturally progressed into it or you've been selected. So you should have full confidence in your own ability. Surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with the right sort of people. But you're there on merit. Uh, and you should should understand and realize that you've been brought about that by all your hard work and your strengths. Yeah, sometimes we just need to get out of our own way. <laughs> um, we are our own worst critics at times. So great advice there. But perhaps the most dominant theme throughout the series was adaptability and how businesses have continued to innovate and respond creatively to the massive challenges facing them in recent months. Jamie and the team at Minprint, they developed a range of hygiene and social distancing products to help communicate the complexities of COVID-19 to young children, for example. And then we had Peter and Parley, who in response to the COVID challenge, and its impact on the retail sector, they adapted and they launched Perlay Protect, a service to help retailers with crowd management. So let's listen again to what Peter said about that. So we've just launched Perlay Protect on the the back of the whole COVID-19 thing. And we got it actually through our participation through Ulster Bank. We have one-to-one sessions with a a mentor as such every month. Uh, This came about of how can we help during this time? And and it was a very natural thing. So we, we provide a VIP experience and we, then we were deciding, where else do you get a VIP experience? We're thinking, so you get it when you're lining up for a queue in the airport, you can get priority boarding. Or if you go to Disneyland, you can get speedy pass. And we're going, well, look, we can do that too. So for our VIPs, we developed a, a queuing system. So literally you go to one of our participating centres, you select which shops that you want to visit, you select the time that suits you, and then you just rock up and instead of like Primark for a good example, queues around the block. So if you select the time that suits you, you walk straight past the queue. So new opportunities and a perfect fit then for Peter and his business and, and this uh, branch of his business now, Perlay Protect. Mark, how well do you feel the business community here has responded to the COVID challenge? So I, I think, Sarah, that the business community has responded well in what is clearly a very, very difficult set of circumstances for them. My, my principal observation, though, has been their, how they've responded uh, from a, a social responsibility perspective. So if I, if I take a walk down my local high street and into the convenience retailers, the butchers, the hairdressers, the gyms, whatever it might be, the one thing that I am struck with is how they have attempted to make their businesses and properties COVID secure for their customers and society generally. You know, at, at, at sometimes great cost to themselves, 
So I see social distancing measures put in place. I see enhanced hygiene. I see one-way systems. So I think, you know, linked back to part of the purpose discussion earlier, I think businesses have responded with a clear sense of social responsibility at sometimes at, at, at fairly significant cost to their own business. Mm, well, obviously, social responsibility is so, so important. But as we look towards an economic recovery, to what extent will more businesses have to adapt and find new creative ways of working or to completely diversify their interests to survive? Um, I, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one, Sarah, because uh, I, I suspect most businesses will be looking at the next six months and really trying to survive rather than rather than thrive. But, you know, those that find their way through it, um, I think that a new economy will emerge out of this. The composition of the economy will change. And as as many as the challenges are, the mega trends in play here across the worldwide leads to lo- lots of opportunities that play nicely into or historic strengths as as a regionalized economy. You know, when when you consider some of the the strengths that we have around food and agriculture, for example, our standards of production, our standards of animal welfare, when you look at some of the more recent skills and competencies we've been building up around um, middle and back office support functions for professional practices, cybersecurity, and um, all of that plays nicely into the changing worldwide trends. Um, on top of that, we've got things like you know there could be a reverse of globalization or reverse of urbanization, a lot of those megatrends play nicely into our historic and potential strengths. And I think businesses should be thinking uh, in terms of those opportunities and really trying to position itself for an economic upturn when it comes. Now, obviously, loads of big concerns for, for businesses at the moment. I'm coming to Brexit, but not just yet, because one of the biggest concerns for many businesses, and that was very much apparent during the series was their supply chain strategy. I'm going to go back again to Sinead Murphy and Schnuggle. She had this to say about their supply chain and and basically the fact that they were manufacturing in China. At the moment, I think we, I guess we don't want to make any major changes, but we're certainly keeping an open mind going forward. We we have always tried to find other places to manufacture as well as China. Um, some of our, our products, our Moses baskets actually manufactured in Kent, but it's difficult to compete in, in the market with all of the other larger brands because they manufacture in China. So it's almost a case that we all need to move and we all need to, to, to take up our production locally to be able to, to compete with each other on a, on a level playing field. But it, it did make us question, you know, the risk involved in, in having all of your production in one country if it is hit um, by, by some sort of pandemic. But, um, you know, it, it ended up that every country went into lockdown. So even if we had moved our production somewhere else, it, it would have been in lockdown and, and not maybe wouldn't have recovered as quickly as, as China did. Um, they, they managed to, to come out the other side relatively quickly. I think it's something we'll keep under review, definitely. Um, and we would love to be able to, to produce more locally. Um, but it's it's so difficult on, on kind of keeping the, the products competitive and, and offering the prices to the consumer that, that they want to pay. Well, with the Brexit date looming and the potential for a no deal exit, supply chain issues have the potential to amplify in the months ahead. And Anne McGregor, Chief Executive at the Northern Ireland Chamber of Commerce, had this to say to me when she joined us for the podcast. 
I know Bre- Brexit has been a challenge and um, uh, I'm part of a, a group of 20 business organisations and we haven't taken our eye on, off the ball on Brexit because there are big challenges ahead. You know, um, as you said, if there's no deal, uh, WTO tariffs will apply and that'll be more costs to business. If uh, there's work on the internal market, but it's complicated by the Northern Ireland Protocol, uh, for example. And also there's free trade uh, uh, deals being organised by by Britain, but we're not sure how Northern Ireland will um, benefit from those. But regardless of all of that uncertainty and all of that going around, businesses need to start getting ready now. So, Mark, how well are businesses prepared for a no-deal outcome? And what are some of the issues they're asking for your team's help with? So, I think, Sarah, I mean, firstly, in terms of a no-deal outcome, um, I think, sadly, the prospect of that is arguably greater than we originally thought it might be. Um, in terms of how businesses are preparing for that, I, I think they are doing all that they reasonably can, either for no deal or for deal with conditions. But there are limitations on the amount of preparations that businesses can make until they see the eventual outcome of, of you know deal, no deal, um, or, or deal with conditions. Um, in terms of what they're asking us with help uh, with, help with Firstly, just in terms of some general advice and discussion, you know, leveraging our knowledge and capabilities within within our own group. And secondly, to try and help them with contingency, principally in, in the area of funding. So making sure that they're adequately stocked, making sure they've got the adequate funding lines in place for whatever contingencies and eventualities might arise out of it. Is there now a greater effort by local businesses to establish local supply chains and make their supply chains more resilient? And indeed, do the facilities and skills exist onshore to fulfil the needs of local business? So I think there is a greater recognition of the issue. And it was interesting to listen to, to Sinead's comments at Snuggle. It's, it's, a, it's a situation between trying to have supply chains that are closer to home, more robust, more accessible versus the cost of having them based out in China or other low cost manufacturing companies. Um, I think it goes slightly wider than purely supply chain here, sir. I think businesses are looking at their overall vulnerabilities of which supply chain is one and looking to try and have contingency and other arrangements in place um, you know to face off to whatever situations they might they might have to deal with okay mark we'll we'll move on and we were talking about purpose at the at the start of this edition and as a purpose-led bank your mission is to help people communities and businesses to thrive community was another important theme in our conversations with businesses in our podcast series um, I really enjoyed our chat with the team from Bob and Bert's uh, talking about their community work let's have a listen one of the first things we did in Bombers was try to make sure that we were a, a community-focused coffee shop. So all our stores seem to be the centre of the community. I mean, we, we sponsor over 40 um, different sports teams, which are all kids' teams. So below the age of sort of 16, we try to aim for. And that's really good. Um, we do other things as well. But um, as I say, we've been really focused on making sure that we are in the community in all, all towns. Now, in recent months, we've also seen how communities came together to support each other and indeed the health service. There were a number of the bank's customers actually involved in the Hero Shield initiative. Once again, here's Sinead Murphy telling us all about that. I think like so many people, we were watching the news, feeling quite emotional at times, quite helpless about what was happening, the, you know, hearing the news that there wasn't enough PPE, we tried to think 
or what what can we do what skills do we have to offer in some small way um, uh, rather than um, feeling completely helpless we we saw that people were were stepping up and becoming volunteers and calling in on on the elderly you know everyone really seemed to be stepping up so we decided to um, really project manage hero shield and put a call out to lots of of local businesses just to see who was able to help um, who had maybe the skills or the resources that we didn't have to produce um, face shields and we wanted to give them for free to anyone that needed them really Um, and the key was we needed to do it quickly. Mark what role does the bank play in the local community either directly or through its support for business owners and entrepreneurs? We are we are very much based in our community and we very much appreciate and value the support that our community provides in turn to us. Um, one thing that we are, I personally am very keen to ensure, Sarah, is that we reach out into all parts of our community. Well, that's our business community or our, our, our societies generally. Um, our bank covers all parts of the province. There's not a part that we leave untouched. Um, <clears throat> we do that by having an extensive network of branches. We do that by entrepreneurship programs, by business growth and labour events having business relationship managers out and based in the community. Um, and that is making sure that access to finance exists for all parts of our communities. And on top of that, that we are bringing our network and expertise um, out into the reach of all parts of the communities across all parts of the province. Well, as 2020 draws to a close, so hard to believe, so much has happened in this year. Um, a lot of business owners now will be taking the time to reflect on the past 12 months, they probably still can't believe what's happened. And perhaps many are very concerned about the year ahead. But what should businesses be thinking about now as they plan for 2021, and in particular, in those sectors that have been hardest hit, Mark? So I think generally, Sarah, um, we just have to acknowledge that the next the next six to 12 months is going to be difficult for the economy, and especially for the parts of the economy um, that you referenced, the sectors that have been hardest hit. Um, if I were to make a couple of suggestions to you know to, to businesses and to those that have been hardest hit, um, you know, th- think of the next six months in terms of getting the financial structure and engineering right within your within your business, and then look start to look beyond that into the opportunities that might exist for your business, and that might mean repivoting to uh, a subset of activities that you'll have heard some of our you know some of our interviewees talk about in the in the series um get i mentioned getting the the financial structure and shape of your business right uh, making sure that you've got uh, contingency planning in place um, and hopefully by the time we get to this time next year we'll be in a more positive frame of mind about the the outlook and the opportunities well, let's hope so. And what role will local businesses, wherever they are now in their business journey, what role will they play in Northern Ireland's economic recovery in the year ahead? Our, our, our local businesses have a fundamental and a core role to play in terms of the, the economic recovery, um, and not just the economic recovery, but their, their role in society in terms of creating wealth, uh, job, protecting uh, jobs, um, and contributing generally to, to you know, local and economic development. Um, our, our businesses, as I said earlier, Sarah, have played, uh, you know, have shown to be resilient through decades of challenges. And I hope that they continue to show that resilience because they are of uh, critical importance to our economy and our local society. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, we've, we've talked about those sectors that have been hardest hit. So many out there that just don't know where they're going to be in a year. But 
what support is there out there to to enable these businesses to thrive? So I think there's there, there's lots of support out there. Sometimes the difficulty is just finding the right support. But from from the the professional network of banks, accountants, solicitors, other advisors, to invest NI, to enter trade, to all the government based bodies that there are as well, plus the local chambers, net business networks. And especially the local mentors that we talked about earlier that can help with those businesses to face into their challenges. Well, Mark, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk to me today and to, I suppose, reassure the businesses out there that there is help. Um, It has been an absolute pleasure talking to all of the businesses that we have during this uh, podcast series. You can, of course, listen again. This has been a very special edition of Thrive in the New World. What a unique time it's been in history, how far we've all come, how far we still have to go, who knows where we'll be uh, 12 months from now. Thank you to everybody who's taken part in this series. Good luck to all of our businesses that we've spoken to for the future and to you as well. And Mark, thank you to you as well for joining us. To hear more from the business owners featured today, you can now listen back to the entire Thrive in the New World series on your favorite podcast app, And remember to follow Ulster Bank Northern Ireland on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest business news and announcements. Bye bye.